0: Hey, this is James Cratch, Giants beat writer for the Star-Ledger and NJ.com, and you are listening to JK, but seriously, real football injury talk. Thanks for tuning in to another Heads and Tails Fantasy Football Injury Report. You are currently listening to Week 10 of the 2017 NFL season. And uh, just a little disclaimer before you start listening to this one, Josh is feeling a little other under the weather today. He's got a little head cold, so if you hear a lot of heavy
1: breathing and sniffing Some and sniffles. coughing,
0: yeah, uh, it, it's it is what it is. So suck it up, because uh, I'm not editing it out.
1: I was questionable coming into the day for the podcast, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play through it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to see what I can do and play through. You
0: know, it. we're really not supportive of uh, playing through injuries or not playing at 100 percent on the Heads and Tails podcast, Josh. But you know. I'm, going to, I'm glad you, you did it because I probably couldn't do this without you, so it would be like me talking to a wall, <laughs> a lot of ums, ahs, uh, it would not be good, you know how I am reading off things, so it, it wouldn't be good, but we're going to start off this week like we do every week with the injuries for this, uh, for week 10, and we're starting off with Martellus Bennett, who's the tight end, was the tight end for Green Bay, now the tight end for New England, and he has a little interesting story that Joshua is going to explain.
1: We got a lot this week. A lot of a lot of good, juicy NFL topics. Juicy. Um, we'll start off with the Packer stuff. Um, so Martellus Bennett, he played for the Patriots last year, won the Super Bowl, was the second tight end, um, signed with the Packers in the offseason. Great team. Got to go to play with Aaron Rodgers. They're supposed to go to the playoffs too. Good team. All, all that stuff. So he gets hurt a couple weeks ago. Martellus Bennett does. And this comes after um, – Like a few weeks weeks before that, he posted on his Instagram story that he was going to retire after this year. Like just kind of out of nowhere. Like bored. Yeah. Like oh, this is going to be my last year playing football. Like, and it's they say all the time. Like oh, if you're considering retired in the NFL, you're already retired basically when like your heart's not in anymore. So, I mean, he wasn't really producing very much um, for the Packers this year, even when Rodgers was healthy. Um, but then Rodgers got hurt. They were struggling. He got hurt and he hurt his shoulder. And so he hurt his shoulder too. He hasn't played for the past two weeks. This would have been the third week he didn't play. Um, and then in the middle of the week this week, this was Tuesday or Wednesday, the Packers released him citing failure to disclose an injury. And then he went on back on his in- in- Instagram story. I guess he doesn't do anything else. He doesn't tweet. He just like types texts and <laughs> posts it on his Instagram story. So, and he basically blamed the doctors, the green Bay doctors for like trying to pressure him into playing, um, when he, when he shouldn't have been and that he was getting up second opinions and that he needed surgery on his shoulder and he wanted to, he wanted to have surgery and end his season and they didn't think he needed to. And they basically released him. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot more that's going to come out from this because the Packers are trying to get his money back, um, from him for this failure to disclose the injury thing. Um, so obviously, when you release him, you go on waivers. All 32 teams have a chance to claim you on waivers. If they do, um, they just they claim your contract. If you if you don't get claimed, then you're a free agent and you can get whatever contract you want. Right. So he his story is he wanted to retire. He wanted to have the surgery. He wanted to retire. He told his agent to tell teams not so no one no one claim him. And then the Patriots claimed him anyway. Um, and then he reported passed a physical with the Patriots. I don't know how he passed the physical. If his wait, does that mean that he really wasn't hurt? So that's basically what the story is. Is it's not that he's not. He is. He does have a shoulder problem. Um, it's the seriousness of it is what's kind of in question. Because um, he's saying he needed surgery. He's saying the Packers were pressuring him into playing. Um, he was going to end his season, but now he goes to the Patriots and now he's playing anyway. Um, so it's kind of how severe was it? How severe is it still? So he played last night. He only played seven snaps, but like sporadically through the game. So he didn't, he didn't like play the first seven and then get, and then say it wasn't, he couldn't do it. He played throughout the entire course of the game. He just only played seven snaps, but he caught three passes, like three passes for like 38 yards. So, um, I mean, he was there last year. He's supposed to be really good buddies with Brady and Belichick and, so it'll just, it, like this is it'll be interesting to see going forward how this shakes down because it's kind of a precedent that you haven't really heard a lot. I've never heard of it happening before. Like you, guy guys get cut for uh, kind of like locker room problems and then they go and they can claim from somebody else, but you really don't see a, a disputed injury claim. Yeah, I've never heard of anything be, like be, this between player and team very much, and especially one where he just. I mean, something similar happened with the with the. colts and vante davis their best corner this week and it was kind of a similar issue uh situation where they demoted him he was kind of pissed about it he's been trying to play through an injury um and then he decided he wouldn't have surgery on it they released him um it's a groin injury but he is having surgery so he didn't get picked up by anybody because he he really can't he can't play so, I mean it's it's a similar situation, but it's different in the fact that he's gonna get surgery. He is getting surgery no matter what. So he's getting surgery, he's fixing it, and then it's he's just gotta figure out next year he'll just be a free agent then. But um so it's kind of two situations in, in the same week here, but you don't see this a lot. Um, but it'll be it will I'll try to follow it and see what happens and see if he keeps playing, see if he stays healthy. Um from what I heard, which is about the injury itself, before he played this week, it was one of those I forget if it's labrum or rotator cuff, but it's one of the two shoulder ones, and it's a bunch of injury where people are saying it. Well, if it's as bad as it can be, a worst case scenario, there's like there's no way he can play. He's not not as a tight end. Like if you have something torn in there, you can't raise your arm above your head. Right. So if reaching you're, up for balls. Yeah. So if you're tight end, you can't do yeah, it. Even trying
0: to block people. Yes. Yeah.
1: So it could be partially ter- torn. Um, there could be an issue in there, so maybe they're not going to use them in any running situations. But I don't know. We'll see. It it just there's a lot to kind of keep an eye on as we move forward here in the season with this one.
0: Alright, then we got another couple injuries, Packer related. Uh
1: Aaron Jones, the running back. Uh yeah, so Aaron Jones uh sprained his MCL and Ty, Ty Montgomery. And Ty too. Montgomery. So both of their two running backs uh both got hurt this week. Um, Jones is gonna be out three to six weeks with an M C L. Ty Montgomery uh has a rib issue. He's week to week. He had rib problems last year for a lot of the season. Um, so now they're down to Aaron Jones was a rookie. Montgomery was a wide receiver who they converted to running backs. And now they're down to their fullback, the white, white, big white guy, farmer Ripkowski and another rookie, um, Jamal Williams. And that's all they have. And Brett uh, Hundley tweaked his hammy. They won yesterday, but they have a lot of injury things to work out of. They said he should be able to play this week. Um, but they're, uh, they're looking at some issues here with a fullback and only one healthy running back and a fullback, uh, Backup quarterback who's now a little banged up. Um so I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, Packers were I mean, you owned every Packer they coming into the year. It's amazing how much of a difference Rodgers makes with that team. I mean, you own Rogers, you own any running back, you own any tight end they have, regardless of who they are. You can be and, doing all right. And you own all their all their wide receivers, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb. And now it's like you can't even play those guys just because of everything that's happened with the just because the surrounding of, situation because of one player. Yeah. So uh, then we got
0: Devontae Freeman, uh, running back for Atlanta, with a concussion ish.
1: So I think this one is a concussion, but again, there's a backstory. Yeah, there's never these concussions are never cut and dry. Like, is like, but the biggest thing I've learned this year about the concussion stuff is it's never black and white ever. And which kind of is with concussions anyway. But um, well, there's black and white matter in the brain. <laughs> So, Maybe not black, but I know there's white matter. So Devontae Freeman, running back for the Falcons, um, left the game in the second quarter with a concussion. Tevin Coleman came in, played really well. He's they, on my fantasy team. Yeah, they've been they've been splitting time all year. Um, and they're both really productive. Um obviously Tevin Coleman's a really good play if uh as long as Devontae Freeman's out going forward here. But so the thing with this is Devontae Freeman had a concussion in the preseason. This year, August, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Preseason concussion, um, missed a preseason game. You don't really know how serious missing a preseason game is, anyway. But it, it, he did have a concussion, so he got hit yesterday in the Cowboy game. Kevin and I both looked for this play for probably a combined hour on the internet. Couldn't can't find it anywhere. Um, but he got hit, got a concussion, left the game. So seems pretty cut and dry. But uh, we've talked we talked about Thomas Davis last week uh linebacker for the Panthers. The Panthers are playing on Monday night this week, so they're playing tonight as, as we do the podcast. And he came out on Twitter and said that the hit from the Dallas defender didn't give Freeman a concussion. He had a concussion last week in their game. The, the Panthers played the Falcons last week, um, but it was undiagnosed. The tweet and, was later deleted. And he, so Thomas Davis, did he deleted the tweet, but of course, as we know, like once you tweet it, it's, it's out there, there forever. Yeah. So, But he was basically saying like – Oh, we hit him last week and he got a concussion and he didn't come out of the game, so he's been playing with this. Obviously, there's no like he wasn't he was on the injury report this week for a knee issue. Devontae Freeman was. So, I mean, it's completely it's impossible to say how true it is. I mean, it's the only thing I can think of is it's gotta be like a it's either what they saw on the field. I mean, you can easily uh, the Panthers defender can easily see, like, oh, uh, he doesn't look right. You know what I mean? Um, because of one specific hit, or just word of mouth. I mean, like I said, these guys are in this social media age. These guys are all buddies, right? So they could easily have someone on the Falcons said something to somebody on the Panthers, and or the Falcons could have known and they didn't say anything. And that's that's the other that's the other thing that could be it. So he's already been. This is one of those ones. He's already been ruled out for next week. He's not playing next week. So one of these multiple concussion things that at least what we've seen this year is when you've had multiple concussions, when you have a second one, they come out almost right away. I'm yeah. Saying. They take it pretty
0: seriously. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially if like, like I said, something happened last week that they knew about, they didn't know about divine. Maybe Devante Freeman knew and just didn't say anything. Um, there's another thing. So, uh, but like I said, Thomas Davis deleted that quote right right away. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of pans out too. how many weeks he does miss. Um, if it's just one week, um, or if anything else, or if the NFL does anything for Thomas Davis, like this is talking about another team and another player's injury. So I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think they'll do anything, but yeah. right. Cause that definitely complicates things, yes, yeah. but there's definitely it calls them out too. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely more to, to, to this story. So
0: yeah. All right. We'll be following this story as well. Uh, then we got, uh, A scary one, Uh, Daniel Lasco, uh, New Orleans running back that got taken off the field in a stretcher on a kickoff coverage play.
1: Yeah, so this is an interesting eh, – the play itself, I mean – and you used to see this a lot more um, before they moved the kickoff up. So I guess it was three, maybe four years ago, they moved the kickoff up from the 30 to the 35. And touchbacks increased by – Ridiculous. Yeah, like like 70%. And – One of the most, one of the plays that they they studied that had the most amount of injuries were kickoffs. Obviously, they decrease the size of the wedge. They they're going down high speed. Yeah, they're going down as fast as they can, and you just get hit the wrong way. You get hurt. Um. So this is exactly what happened on on this play. Um. He was on the kick coverage team, and he ran. He had a collision with a wide receiver on the Bills, and he stayed down. Um. He has uh. They called it a bulging disc. I'm sure it's more on the severe side. They already said he's not coming back this year. He's out for the season. I mean, he's mainly a special teams player. He didn't really play much on offense even though he's a running back. Um they said it's not career threatening, but it's still it's scary anytime you see so he was on a stretcher and they put the they drove the ambulance on the field. So I mean there's an ambulance at the 20 yard line with all the guys huddled around him and that's the, like the last thing the NFL wants from a viewing standpoint to see, you know. Yeah. That's I'd be
0: curious the, to see what like the TV coverage was of that.
1: Yeah, there's some, there's some clips of it. I don't know how long they stayed stayed with it, how much they talked about it. It's hard to avoid because that's a ten, five, ten-minute thing. Right. So you can't avoid it altogether. You can't go to commercials for ten minutes. Yeah. But um, just a quick note about the kickoffs is – so, yeah, they moved it up to try to encourage touchbacks and lessen the – decrease the distance a little bit.
0: Basically, don't play football for that play.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you watch – the Patriots have been doing this for two years, and from a football standpoint, it's very smart. I mean, they directional kick, and they kick as close to the goal line as they possibly can without it going in the end zone on purpose. A lot of times, because if you kick it, if you get a touchback, not only did they they moved up, they moved up the kick, and they used to for a touchback the, the offense used to start at twenty, now they start at twenty five. So another way to try to increase teams of saying it's more worth it to stay in the end zone. So the Patriots realize that, okay, if we just kick it through the back of the end zone. We could definitely stop them before the 25. They're going to get it at 25. So if we kick it higher and we have a shorter distance to get down there, we can probably tackle them up before 25, before the 20. Right. So if you watch a Patriot game, the only touchbacks that they have are like ones that went in the end zone by a yard and the team's just like, nope, not bringing it out. You know what I mean? Accidental. So they practice, and they're very, very good at it, but they practice and they play the kickoff, and they use it to their advantage. So they're one of the only teams that have done that. I mean, if you start getting every team in the league practicing it and doing it, um, then you could see the injuries and kickoffs go back up, because they're taken away. But at at the same time, what's, what's interesting about the Patriots is, and this is what happens to teams, is the Patriots did it. The Patriots did it to the Broncos, right? Last... Uh, last night. So the Patriots did it to the Broncos and they tackled the Broncos kick returner at like the 17 or 18 yard line, the first kickoff of the game um, after the Patriots had scored Broncos went down, kicked a field goal. They did the same thing. The Broncos tried to do the same thing. Obviously, they don't practice it nearly as much as the Bronc- uh, the Patriots do. And the Patriots return the kickoff for a touchdown. And then every kickoff the Broncos had for the rest of the game, threw the back of the end zone. Yeah. So that's the one thing for a coach you're kind of scared at. Like, you don't want to be that guy who, okay, we could have just given him the ball on 25, and then they return it for a touchdown.
0: Right. This kind of makes me think of – what it's like another situation where the NFL doesn't really like – Think through the actual like rule changes. Like their intention is good, but they don't yeah. like foresee what the reaction will be by the teams and how they're gonna adjust their schemes yeah. to try to get around
1: that rule or yeah. work that rule to their advantage. Yeah. And for the most part, this rule has worked. I mean, from an injury standpoint, it's worked. From a statistical touchback standpoint, it's worked. Um, there's just uh, there's, there's very few teams who do it. I mean, I think Belichick's a a good enough coach, obviously, and he, and a special teams guy where it's not just something that they say, I mean, they practice it. And so, so it never, it never backfires on them. So, you know, so they're never giving up those return for touchdowns, but if every team implements it, then you're, then you're going back to the point you have have to have the conversation of just taking it out of the game again. That's really the only other is, step. Is yeah. what they I were, mean. That was essentially probably their
0: intention in the beginning. It's
1: one of those things where this is what we're trying to do, and this is probably what we want to do, but we don't want to be labeled as soft or have any public kickback from taking out taking out a kickoff. You know, because right. it's it's one of those things where, to me, if the NFL took a, took away the kickoff, of course, I would say a majority of the fans would complain about it,
0: but I've, for like a week and a half, exactly.
1: But. They're afraid of that week and a half instead of the and this is what we talk about all year they're afraid of that initial reaction um more so than the longevity of what's actually best for the game yeah i was I was pissed about like I thought it was so stupid when they did it at first five years ago. I'm like that's stupid you can't now you're just making the kickoff out of you're taking it out of the game there's gonna, every game's gonna be touchback, everything it's better it's that's like seeing it for three four years it's better
0: yeah. Better for the player's health, and which is why we're even having this conversation. Yeah. Uh, okay, next injury we got is Joe Hayden, uh, cornerback uh, Pittsburgh with a fractured fibula. This is one that is near and dear to your heart.
1: Yeah, one of my Steeler guys. Um, barely won against the Colts this week, but a win is a win. Is a win. A loss is a loss. Is a win, and I'll take it. And no matter what
0: something now, but, there's like Gatorade commercial. So like Joe
1: Joe Hayden's there, uh, best best corner. Um, he's, played, he's played great for them this year. He's allowed them to do a lot of different stuff on defense that they haven't been able to do in the past. Um, the Browns cut him this year for basically no reason in the, in the preseason because they didn't want to pay him, basically. Um, and the Steelers scooped him right up. Scoop and score. Yeah. Knock us on the ground. Scoop and score. So uh, he's been playing really well. So he, got, he fractured a fibula, which was basically – it looked like it was like a knee-to-knee hit. One of those ones, like the videos up there, um, he was dropping back into like a zone and a receiver that was being covered was running at him. And it looked like they were like both had the squirrel in the middle of the street thing yeah. where uh, like, oh yeah, they like, uh, they just uh, didn't uh, know which uh, way to go. And they just, <laughs> ran. They just ran straight into each other. I like other. that analogy, squirrel in the middle of the street. And they just, they kind of froze and tried to juke each other out and they just went basically knee to knee, but I guess... It wasn't truly knee to knee because it was knee to – Knee to fibula. Knee to fibula. So um, it was worried that – Because fractured fibula can be – It can be a season-ending injury. Um, Like J.J. Watt. Yeah. So it came out at first. Transverse. What was that? Yeah. Transverse process fracture. Process fracture. Process fracture. Whatever. Um, But – So they came out first and said, okay, once – Because Tomlin came out and said, uh, I fractured fibula – Everyone's like, okay, that's a six to eight week, usually, um, injury. But I guess it came out, and they said today that it's a high fibula fracture. Sounds like a transverse plateau of the plateau. It's not. It's actually better. And he said he only might miss three weeks. He doesn't need surgery. um, And it's one of those, there's no nerves. There's no, it's not by the ankle joint. It's not by the knee joint. You know, so it's actually it's best case scenario. So, I would I would think it'll be more than 3 weeks, but it's not season ending. He should be back by the end of the year, which is good news for this me. This makes me
0: think that people haven't really talked about JJ Watt, like how he's doing.
1: No. Yeah, but that's like we talked about this last uh like kind of last week with Deshaun Watson. Like you talk about it when they come back or like in the tr- in preseason next year, but like you don't hear about Odell Beckham. You don't hear about Aaron Rodgers. Like these guys that get hurt and are out for the year, you don't yeah, they just You never hear how they're doing. I guess, I mean, you can find People out... People
0: forget about them, and they really need to listen to the Heads and Tails podcast to really figure out or navigate the situation.
1: Nationally, you don't hear about them at all. I'm sure if you're a diehard Texan fan, I'm sure you can find out information about them. I'm sure their Texan bloggers will be all over it. But All right, then we got... Oh, there <laughs> it, it is. First one. Yeah, was that so was pretty good. good. Yeah, not bad.
0: Uh, I mean, it's okay. You're allowed to cough. All right, these Um,
1: ones are going to be long, Kev, so buckle up.
0: Yeah, so we got the the Richard Sherman uh, ruptured Achilles out for the year uh, discussion, and it's all a Thursday night football discussion. We just come up multiple times throughout
1: our podcast journey. So we've talked about Thursday night football a lot. Um, Richard Sherman ruptured his Achilles on Thursday night, second half. He's out for the rest of the year. He's been vocal about Thursday night for, like, forever. Yeah, so we'll, we have a bunch of links up about Thursday night. Player's Tribune article. Yeah. Up- so, so there's going to be – there's all sorts of perspectives on this. So last – Richard Sherman wrote an article on the Player's Tribune last December, December of 2016, titled Why I Hate Thursday Night Football. And it was all the typical stuff that we've talked about from your player's perspective about how it changes the whole – Week I mean they're so routine based and it changes your whole routine, changes your whole weekly schedule, and basically just doesn't give your body enough time to recover from the last week. So it's kind of ironic that he wrote this last year and then this year he's season ends on Thursday night. Um this injury specifically, it's been bothering him all year. And he knows it's been it's this is this isn't like uh Achilles where it just like cut the out of wrong nowhere, way it's yeah. just he's been bothered this has been bothering him all year and he knew it was hurting and he knew it was a little bit weaker and he's been playing anyway and it was just um it's it seemed um, it seemed like from what he said that he was managing it and kind of knew what to do and what not to do um, and it just he it just gave out on him eventually which was in, in the Thursday night game so of course because of this there's been a ton of nothing there hasn't been already but there's a ton of blowback on the Thursday night stuff. There was eight guys injured this past week in the Seahawks Cardinals game. Um and we well, we'll have all the like I said we'll have all the links up. I mean there was about four guys on each team with all types of different injuries from minor to major whatever it may be. Um and the Thursday night stuff is just it, it's interesting because there's there's a couple sides of it, okay? So here's the main the main point other than stuff that I think we've touched on our, already this year. One, the players come out and say how much they hate it. And it's not really debated from that aspect. Um, we have links of Doug Baldwin after the game saying it should be illegal. Um, there's another link we'll have up with other guys from the Seahawks saying how bad it is. Um, ben Rousselberger came out on his weekly radio hit this week and – basically said exactly say the same thing that all the Seahawks were saying. Terrible. Your bodies can't, uh, don't have enough time to recover from the last week. You're playing slower. Preparation time isn't as good. All that stuff. Um, uh, there's a website called football outsiders. They do lots of like the nitty gritty statistical analysis. It's kind of like that pro football focus where like grade out players, you know, um, Yes, yeah, this was uh, interesting stats you got here. So he, they came, they wrote an article, and this is basically the same as an article that they wrote last year um, when this similar topic came up. They were saying, and from his statistical analysis, that less players get injured on Thursday night or whatever it was that they, that their statistical analysis they were using. They used every snap as like, an opportunity in every practice rep, and they kind of exponentially forecasted it out and used the p- only problem with their kind of research or statistical analysis is they're only like they can only use injuries that have been reported, right? And although yeah, you don't know how many go unreported, well, yeah, or an injury that was maybe caused by a Thursday night game that came out maybe in practice the next week, you know. Right. Or whatever it was, but it,
0: especially at this point in the season, you know, who knows yes. like
1: where this started, yeah. you know. So basically, their conclusion was that there's not any evidence to suggest that more people get hurt on th- more players get hurt on Thursday night than any other game. Um, it's just that it's been one of those things that gain, has gained so much ground and gained so much traction that you, I mean, watch any game on Sunday, guys are going to get hurt. Okay, you're not going to have season-ending injuries every game but any single it's in the football any single game you watch you're going to get guys that leave the game with injury whether they come back or not i mean it's hard to say exactly how what number but it's become it's to me it's become one of those self self-fulfilling prophecies you know get the players dislike it so much Put up so much of a stink about it, and then it's like one of those things where every time someone gets hurt on Thursday night, it's very easy for everyone to point and see. Go, here you go. See, look, Thursday night causing injuries as per usual. But in reality, there really isn't any more injuries. But the players don't like it, and I think it needs. I think it can be adjusted. So the another thing that go that go comes into play with this is so. The last Thursday night football contract was signed two years ago. It ends at the end of this year. So this isn't a collectively bargain thing. It's a TV contract thing. So this can change and this can change next year. Um, They need to determine what they want to do and what the networks want to pay and what the NFL wants to uh, figure out everything on it. But they, they signed a $900 million between NBC, CBS, NFL network. They signed a $900 million deal to play Thursday night games every week. Um, when, when we, uh, kind of broke it down and this is in, in one of the links, um, it, the numbers and the m- money standpoint came out, it added approximately seven, seven million dollars in salary cap space to every team. Okay.
0: Which is significant.
1: Yeah. So it's every, every player, when you divide it by 53, it's about 150 grand per player, basically that, um, is added to your salary. Um, So still doesn't cover Vontez, but no, no, it doesn't cover his fines, but it's, it's just one of those things where, okay. So if the, if it comes out this year and they can't get a bigger number for their, for this Thursday night package, maybe the advertisers and the networks are trying to give them a smaller number that they just say F it and change it. Um, can they go back and can they I don't think they can reduce the salary cap at this point but it's one of those things where okay so it's easy for the players to come out and say how much they hate it but at the same time it's significantly impacted positively them in terms of salary cap and um, money that they have so are they willing to just say okay let's decrease everything and let's go back but no Thursday night games um I don't know how much say the players will even have on it Um, cause it, like I said, it's not a collectively bargain thing. It's a league, it's a league thing that they're going to deal with, with TV contracts. But, um, it'll just be, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because the players are so adamant about it right now.
0: Yeah. And there's, I mean, we had a lot of comments on the Instagrams, uh, for this particular opinion on Well, we wanted to hear people's opinions on Thursday night game. So I'll, I'll read off a few. I'll, I'll, try my best to not botch these um but simpson atc i uh, said thursday night football is a joke uh, it's their money maker for the nfl and the nfl network so they get what they want and the players are at risk
1: but we just kind of explained that
0: like the players also benefit from yeah, this, this isn't, deal it, it, as well i mean
1: the public perception is oh, okay the nfl is just making money off this well yes they are but the players are making money off it too right um then we then
0: our buddy Evan from last week our guest appearance said the collective bargaining agreement had a 250 uh million dollar package for Thursday
1: night football is So uh, that's I I'm pretty sure that's the cut of it that the players got.
0: Okay, the 250. Yeah. Okay. Uh which is what So he broke it down, yeah, yeah. about $150,000 per player. Uh then we got um Simpson ATC, again, said uh, the players did agree to the CBA, uh, but they benefit from it financially. Uh, seems like the risk might be –
1: oh, that was me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> All right, never mind. This is why I shouldn't do this. I mean, basi- basically the stats – I mean, the public perception of the NFL is bad anyway. From The majority of the comments are that, okay, this is a moneymaker for the NFL, and the NFL is just using their players again, which, I mean, their public perception is shit already. Okay, but um, the player – it does benefit the players greatly. So, it, to me is – okay, so this is what we want to talk about is how can we how, – how how can you change it, all right? So, you can't make the season longer before the next CBA, obviously. Um, you're not going to move games to Friday night. You're not going to move games to Saturday night. Because of college. Because of college. So, you're either going to – Why not Friday night? Because people, like, go out. I mean, like you, ratings? I mean, you could, but I, I don't think they've ever played before. I think they're afraid of the high school football audience, to be honest. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um, And so, really, their only options are to scrap it and go back to how it used to be. Sunday, Monday. start. It started Thanksgiving. So, Thursday night game started Thanksgiving, and they'd play it for the rest of the year. Um, The one suggestion that I saw that actually, I think, has some credence and – is actually legitimate that I think would happen is it has some hurdles, but instead of playing Thursday night, every Monday, you have two games. So now instead of you playing Thursday night, you're playing a doubleheader on Monday night. T V doubleheader, obviously, not a right. not an NFL doubleheader. <laughs> That'd be rough. <laughs> but and you can split it up however you want. I mean if you want to do NBC gets the seven o'clock game and somebody else gets the ten o'clock game, the problem is you're with that, you're kind of working the schedule so there's a West Coast team on, right. on on Monday night every week. What's 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 the rating going to be for the 10 o'clock game on, on the East Coast if they're worried about ratings that much? But it's a way to have the same physical number of primetime games per week and now the rest time is not the same. Or you want to do, okay, so for the first 10 weeks of the year, we're going to do mon- Monday night doubleheaders. And then for the rest of the year, we're going to go one Monday night and then implement your Thursday night game again. All right? Because, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I don't remember people complaining about Thursday. And uh, there was a lesser population of the uh, teams that were affected by it, obviously, when they used to only play five five Thursday night games a year, right? I mean, Thanksgiving games were always glorified. Everybody loved Thanksgiving games. Yeah. You I know, mean, I didn't never hear that. The, maybe it was a special occasion, and the players thought it was it was easier for them to get up for it, adrenaline-wise, because it was special and it was a national. Yeah, it was, and novel. It, it was a national game, but I didn't I didn't hear as much pushback when Thursday night used to be Thanksgiving on. So the last five, well, from week tw- like week twelve or thirteen to week sixteen, because you don't do it on week seventeen either, you know. But then there's only four or five, four or five games, so eight to twelve teams a year that are affected by the Thursday night. Instead of a majority of the teams,
0: right? I see what you're saying. Uh, I had another comment from a former NFL guy, uh, Kevin Malist. Uh He said, "Not a fan kills recovery and routine. Two things players players need to be to play at their best." Yeah. Um, so that's coming from the source, but yeah. he's kind of resonating with most yeah, of the players. It's have exactly already what said. the players yeah.
1: have said, and that's another which hasn't has been as bad this year. as the product? That's another argument against Thursday Night Football. Has been in the past. Is the product's worst. The games are worse um, because of that that stuff. They're, I feel like that's such a like a,
0: a like a subjective
1: yeah uh, like opinion. But like I said, these are so um, the perception of these. I feel like of the Thursday night games is very self fulfilling. The more the players come out and say there's injuries, the more the players come out and say they don't like it. The easier it is for it to gain momentum, whether it's and valid the media or media highlights it. Yes, yeah,
0: I see what you're saying. Uh, I guess the other argument, too, is like a sport like hockey. You know, like hockey, how many games do they play each week? I mean,
1: it varies throughout the year, but you're playing an average of three games a week.
0: Yeah, But there's there's
1: some weeks you play five.
0: Yeah, it's a physically demanding sport. I would argue not as physically demanding as football. But, I mean, you don't hear these guys saying people complain about the injury rates in hockey. They're playing 82 games. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think – I don't know, I based off of the stats and everything like that, I think it's more of like a, a media driven thing than like an actual thing.
1: I think the players actually don't like it and pre- would prefer not to play, but I was, I was trying to think of an, an example. Point. I was trying to think of an example
0: of like how they feel going into a Thursday night game just from like a a mentally draining standpoint cuz like I remember just from playing high school football like you have the game Friday night and it's this huge freaking build up to Friday night and then once the game's over it's like oh thank god like I can actually breathe for once and as soon as freaking Monday rolls around again like that anxiety starts to build and build yes. and build and when you have that Thursday night game it's almost like you're taking two days yeah. of like relaxation, yeah. mentally, just mentally. Yeah, like the reset button away.
1: doesn't get set in the Thursday night game. I feel like and yeah, that's, it's like and, go, it's like yes. done. Go, and that's yeah. a big that's a big thing. That's the main point of what Sherman said in his player Tribune article, and basically the main point of the quotes that Roethlisberger had in his radio stuff today is that, I mean, when you play on Sunday, you have Monday off. You don't practice Tuesday. You get to go over film and then you practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So you have that kind of buffer between any physical football activity at all between when the game ends on Sunday and Wednesday at practice. So you have those two days to kind of, like you said, mentally, you're not relaxing from the game in itself entirely because you're still going over film, but from a physical standpoint. And then you have that time to build it back up again. And like I said, going back to the, like, Thursday night game or Thursday game on Thanksgiving, it's different than a Thursday night game on week seven when you're playing Buffalo at Tampa Bay. Not a division game, not a rival. Yeah. And it's okay. Not even a national TV game anymore. Whereas Thanksgiving, everybody's at home in front Everyone's of the Everyone's watching. It's a privilege to play on Thanksgiving. It's awesome. You can easily flip that switch and get up for it.
0: Yeah. It's an extra little, yeah. you know incentive to yeah
1: or, or distraction almost yeah. or even 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 8 years ago you know, say so you go from Thanksgiving and then you continue playing those next couple of weeks it's still it's still different at that point for the players where it can be seen as a a positive thing where okay not everybody gets to do this you know oh we've never done this before we can get up for this game right and now it's now it's com- I used
0: to watch Thanksgiving games when I was growing yeah. up now yeah.
1: it, now it's completely flipped the other way where now it's like they're forcing us to do this right all right, let's uh,
0: move on to some concussion uh, issues that we had uh, in terms of the concussion protocol, which has obviously frequently come up on this podcast multiple times. Uh, we'll start off with the Russell Wilson uh, quarterback concussion. Uh, I have an interesting input uh, into this one, but you you explain that situation. All right, so
1: we have two this we have two big quarterback concussion protocol issues coming up from this week, and this is where the my main point of this is going to be like. You got to make it more definitive, just in general. It has to be because this is just—it's—it's it's silly and it makes the NFL look terrible. So Russell Wilson, late in the game, one possession game, had a roughing the quarterback penalty. Definitely roughing the quarterback. Definitely resting the quarterback. Roughing the quarterback. With crown of his head. Got got hit in the jaw, and Russell Wilson was clearly like favoring his—he like was moving the jaw or jaw around, you know, and like working it out because he got hit in the jaw. So the referee did what was probably the right thing to do, and what they've been preaching. Yeah, and what they have, I think been told to do more, which I don't you still don't see it enough, but he made Russell Wilson leave the field to get checked. He just got hit in the head and neck area, obviously helmet to helmet, and
0: and visu- visibly was showing signs yes. that something yes. was off.
1: Yeah, his hands were up around his face. He was he, he was he, you're right, he was he he had signs. So they made him go off the field. So Russell Wilson went off the field without too much of an argument. And when he got off the field, they started ushering him towards the blue tent. Yeah, which was and, which just looks ridiculous. Yeah. So he gets in the tent and they start to put the tent up, and then it looks like he goes, "Wait, wait, what a minute, I'm fine." And he like kind of shoes the tent down and gets up and starts walking back towards the field. And there, the one of the Seahawks medical guys is kind of like, "Yep, go." So he missed one play, and then he went back in the game the se- the second play after the hit. And then after that series, he came over and they did the full test and they said he was fine and didn't have a concussion.
0: Right, so the, the rule is that if you come off the field for concussion-related symptoms or a questionable concussion, that you need to be cleared by the team doctor and the independent neurologist, right, correct,
1: before you go back on the field, which will take some time, not one play. Yes. The only The only thing is I don't know if it's clear that – if he's taken off by the official, if it's the same... Right, if it's different. If if it's flagged down... Because in the past, and what the NFL has been preaching, is they have the independent neurologist that's watching the game. And when they see a hit, they're supposed to flag a message down to their official and have them stop the game and take the guy off the field. And then you're 100%. But they they also give the referees, the officials, the right to do it and also. So, I mean, it should be the same thing to me. It should be if, if the referee... Of course, fans are going to be pissed, especially if it's a quarterback. If the referee takes a quarterback, can you imagine if the referee took a quarterback off in a two minute drive at the end of a game, how much, how crazy Twitter would go? Yeah. Like if that was, if, if the Seahawks were down two with a minute left and that same play happened and the ref made Russell Wilson go off the field. Yeah, people would go berserk. And he went through a whole, his whole thing and couldn't come back in the game in the last minute and then they're back up through an interception.
0: Oh, they're paying the ref.
1: Yeah, it would, it would be insane. But they're, but it, Okay, so there's going to be situations where that happens, but I think to me, this the optics of this are terrible because it's basically Russell Wilson going over the sideline, to that stupid blue tent, yeah, saying I'm fine, I I don't have a concussion, I'm going back in the game. And even though in this case he didn't, he was he was actually the uh, the thing with this one, he was actually fine. He he never went into concussion. He never got diagnosed with concussion. Um, had to go into concussion protocol during the game, after the game, anything. Right. So he immediately passed all the tests,
0: right, so I guess, like what's the rule when like players like refuse medical attention you're like what do you what do you do for that like how can you penalize a team when a player like physically you know refuses medical attention
1: like they're these are grown ass men yeah like like the only thing you can do to me is the easiest thing that I think they could in Make a rule is if you're taken off the field for a possible concussion, whether it's from the referee, whether it's from the independent neurologist that's watching the game, or whether it's of your own. Team doc. Yeah. of Or, or, you're, trainer. or you're on your own, or you, you, you get hit in the head and you come off the field on your own. When you get to the sideline, you should have to give somebody your helmet because then you can't go back in the game. You don't if and the, and you don't get your helmet back until you're cleared from whatever the protocol is that they're doing on site. So if and okay, so it's gonna so it might stink for the Seahawks and it might stink for Russell Wilson, but if the ref sees something and he's and he's not a hundred percent and he sends you off the field, you need to give the trainer your helmet and you're not getting it back until you clear it. Okay, so Russell Wilson can go back in the tent, and then he can say, "I'm fine," and try to leave, but he can't go back on the field until he gets his helmet I back. No helmet penalty box. That's it. That's that's the only way you're going to stop them. So, something like this. All right. Do you like? Do you kind of agree?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, it's it's just a tough situation for everyone, especially like we talked about with concussions, because like there's so much that's unknown about yeah. it still. Everything surrounding yes. it is like. You know, like you said, it's not black or white. It's just like, uh, maybe, I don't know. And then when you have a grown-ass man, you know, no, it's getting tough. heated in the moment and, like, saying I'm fine, like, you know, what are you going to do, I guess. Yeah, I no, it, it's tough. Uh, I think the players, like, the players at this point know, you know, the issues surrounding concussions and the aftermath that can happen with playing with concussions, and if they – you know they know so yeah. like if they're conscious enough and they think like oh like there's a problem I should sit out or no I'm fine I'm going to play like at this point in time I feel like they should probably know
1: no I kind of agree but just from an optic standpoint I just I think they need to make it more definitive and more clear and don't let don't leave it up to the players whatever you have to do to not leave it up to the players you need to start doing that and like I said it might stink in the case similar to this where Russell Wilson is fine and he just got hit in the jaw, you know, and he, and he has no concussion symptoms. But at the end of the day, it's better to be safe than sorry, you know.
0: Or you could increase the salary cap and you can keep better backup quarterbacks so when the backup comes in, no, then it won't be as big of a deal. That'll never happen. There are There isn't even – People are cheering for the backups. There's not
1: even 20 good quarterbacks right now. 20, let alone 32, 64. Impossible.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's what we're doing, brainstorming.
1: So the next,
0: Jacoby Brissett.
1: Okay, so he's the Colts starting quarterback. Um, Another
0: concussion protocol issue. Same,
1: similar thing. So we have the link to the tweet up. Um, this is this tweet is from Chris Chris Nowinski. Yep. You had him on the podcast. Yeah, episode eighty three. You want to give like a quick background of? Yeah.
0: So. Chris Nowinski is the CEO and founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, which is basically like the organization that collects the brains of deceased football players or athletes or veterans uh, to test the brains for chronic traumatic
1: encephalopathy, which is otherwise known as CTE. So... He's he, he's he's all all over Twitter. He's not he's not malicious against the NFL. He's not anti super anti. But he's NFL. pro player safety. But he's but he's very pro player safety. And he 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 holds
0: them accountable yeah. for their own rules and stuff.
1: So yesterday, then this the uh, video of this play will be up online. So Jacoby Brissett had a third down against the Steelers. They're winning late in the third quarter. He gets flushed out of pocket, scrambles around, gets hit in the head. He sl- he he slides head first so there was no penalty on the play but he's clearly he grabbed the back of his head he didn't move for two seconds so there he was clearly um the ref stopped the game the trainers came out on the field it was it was obvious that he had some sort of a head incident we just start calling them head incidents he basically took a helmet to the back of his head body language yes Yeah, concussion body language is what we need to start calling it. So he had concussion body language, okay? So he – it was a third down play. He didn't get the first down, so they were punting, okay? So they were going off the field anyway. So he goes to the sideline, goes in the locker room, runs back out on the field as the Steelers are punting the ball back to the Colts, goes on the field for the next drive, okay? So he – I mean, it wasn't clear at the time and they didn't say it on the broadcast what he, like what exactly happened. But he did go in the locker room. He did come back out. He did come back in the game. Okay? And after the game, so the next drive he threw an interception. Um, he only completed maybe one pass for the rest of the game. And, ended, and then the Colts ended up losing. Um, not that it was uh, directly related, but – after the game, the Colts came out and said Jacoby was is in concussion protocol. So basically, he got a he got a concussion. Got went, cleared. Went because... back in. He, he never said if he was cleared or not, but they let him back in the game, regardless. And he played the rest of the game and then after the and then after the game said he, he, he complained about symptoms after the game. So the Colts official Uh, statement after the game was that Jacoby Brissett was evaluated for a concussion in the third quarter of today's game. Colt's team doctors administrated a concussion evaluation which Brissett passed and returned to the bench but was not returned to the game. When the unaffiliated neurological consultant was available, he returned to the tent again and passed a concussion evaluation. After the game in the locker room for several minutes, Brissett developed symptoms and is now in the concussion protocol. So basically... What happened was, and this is from the Colts, is that he got hit in the head, came off the field. The independent doctor was already in the locker room with another player. It doesn't say whether from the Steelers or the Colts, but he was in the locker room with another player. So he went in to get tested, couldn't get tested, so he came back onto the field. They said he wasn't returning to the game until after the test, but he literally jogged back onto the field and into the game. So he went back into the game before any other tests on the field. And then eventually, at some point during the game... Helmet penalty box. Exactly. So eventually, at some other point in the fourth quarter, he was tested on the field by the independent doctor and was cleared to return to the game. It's just, to me, there needs to be, one, I think a helmet penalty box would be a good first step. Two, we've talked about so many times this year where... And this is and this is just a concussion-based thing that is so tough, but we've seen so many times this year where guys get hit in the head, they come to the sideline, they pass, they return to the game, and then after the game, they have concussion symptoms. Well, here's
0: here's my story. So when I had my head injury, uh, and the, the first concussion that led to the second impact syndrome that I had. My symptoms didn't start until the next day. Yeah. Like, I had a concussion. I remember the hit that it happened on yes. just because it was like a significant helmet-to-helmet hit. But I played the rest of the game, no real <laughs> symptoms. But, after you know, the after the game and the next day, that was when my symptoms really started to escalate. And it was, like, bad. And I knew something was wrong. Yeah. So, that could be the
1: case that was here as well. Can you can – you st- is there anything that you can do to prevent that, though? Because from everything that we've seen this year – it's guy gets ahead, concussion body language, goes to the tent, gets cleared, comes back in the game. And this isn't every single time, obviously. But there is a significant number of times where concussion body language, get checked, pass the test, play the rest of the game, after the game, symptoms. Like, is that preventable at all? I don't think so. And, and how – it's like, okay, so you just hold a guy out if he has any – Symptoms or any—I mean, that's not realistic can, yeah, either. Yeah, no, it's not. I, I think
0: today, at this point, right now, two thousand seventeen, week ten, NFL season, it comes down to like the education that the players get about concussions. Like they know their body better than anyone
1: else on the field. So if they're truly, if they truly feel at the time that they're able to. Right, and then they you okay. decide,
0: like, all right, do I want to be yeah. a freaking hard ass and you know sacrifice my future brain health? Yeah. And if that's the decision that you say yes to, then knock yourself out, dude. But like you know, you know deep down, like everyone else is trying to protect you around you. Yeah. You're the one making the decision to put yourself in harm's way if that's what you're choosing to do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you know, so you know, you you know if yeah. if something's wrong. So like, I I think it the players have to be held almost more accountable. Yeah. To, but, I mean, that's on them now, you
1: know? Yeah. These were these are just two very um, visible quarterbacks that had kind of different dealings with the concussion protocol and just both kind of showed the holes in them. Yeah. That are, that's still, for as much as the NFL is trying to do with the protocol, just that the holes still exist in it. And it's, it's just such an unperfect – yeah, because another hole right that I now. just
0: thought of when we were just talking about this is like, all right, so the concussion protocol wasn't followed to a T like it should have been. And now the team's going to get fined $150,000 like it says wherever the rule is. Yeah. Um. Well, aren't you incentivizing teams to not be honest and not, like, come out and yeah. say, like, say, you know, they say, Brissett, no, you didn't have a concussion, like, you're fine, like, you're going to play next week. Like, so we're not getting a $150,000 fine. Not that $150,000 is even like yes. something that they, no, they, they blink mean. an eye at, but Yeah.
1: So the, the the Seahawks one, the NFL is investigating. The the Colts one, I haven't heard anything about. Well, the, the Seahawks one was on Thursday, so there's been more time since, but the Thursday one, the NFL is they came out and said they're doing an investigation of the procedure that the Seahawks used. So to me, I think the blue tent
0: probably worked in the it worked against the NFL in this situation because it draws attention to like the idea. Yes. It, it draws attention 100%. to the concussion. Had that blue tent not been there, it just blends into the crowd. Yeah. So
1: Russell Wilson's just going over, talking to a trainer, saying he's fine and then going back on the field. Right. Instead of him going sitting down for a minute <laughs> and then like seeing the tent come over top of him and being oh like a like a horror house. <laughs> oh man, that was good. Oh, uh, you're exactly right. You're, I think you're exactly right.
0: Okay, uh, is that it for the injuries this week? Uh, There's a lot of them.
1: Yeah, no, that 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 that's it. That's it. We're gonna finish up with. Uh Finish up with some non-injury
0: news and fines. So our boy Vantes again. I'm like this guy just doesn't freaking get it. And I saw him on Twitter like as he was being like escorted off the field. You know he's like making money signs and like he like loves it. He like loves the attention that it that it brings. And to me, I just like don't respect that. That's like a guy who like just doesn't get it or just doesn't care.
1: Yeah. To me, it's there's like the impulse control isn't isn't there. It's very, it's just very quick. It's more like an anger management thing. Like the quick trigger on him is so fast and so uncontrollable that he just, I, 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 don't, I don't think he has, he gives himself time to process the, is this wrong? So basically what happened this week with Vontez Burfitt, every single week, this is what happened with Vontez Bur- Burfitt. So he was chasing one of the running backs for the Titans out of bounds. I forget if it was DeMarco Murray or Derek, I thought it was Derek Marcus Mariota. Of, I thought, I think it was one of the running backs. Was it Mariota? I almost positive it was Mariota. He hit him way out of bounds. Yeah. So he was, Mariota was way out of bounds and Burford didn't really like hit him, but like kind of like shouldered just, him, chest yeah. brushed him. And like it, Mariota, I guess it was Mariota, fell down and they threw a flag. And Burford was like, well, basically like you're targeting me. This isn't, it was a bad, bad penalty basically. And it wasn't like a blatant, it wasn't ridiculous. It wasn't like a, it, wa- it wasn't obvious but it was a it was a callable. It wasn't forceful, I'll say.
0: It it wasn't It wasn't like injury inducing. Yes. But yes. it was still against the rules. Yes.
1: And it was probably an accurate penalty. So then like two plays later, they're on the same sideline and he's trying to walk back on the field and the ref is like has his arms up making whatever signals that refs make with their arms out to the side and Burfick just kind of like takes his arm and shoves it away. Excuses his arm, if you will. <laughs> And the, o- the old 65-year-old white ref looks at him, throws a flag, and ejects him. So if it's anybody else on the Bengals, that, what happened, probably doesn't get you ejected. But if it's perfect, he's getting ejected. But you can't come out and complain about how it wasn't worthy of being in an, an ejection when you have the past that you have. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. Like, you're going to be, tar- sorry, you're going to be targeted. You can't complain about being targeted with the history that you have. You're going to be targeted every game you play for the rest of your career. And you brought that on yourself. 100%. 100%. So, but again, it's like, what is, what is the NFL going to do now? With all the fights last week, it came out that the NFL strongly dislikes suspending guys that have been ejected from games. Because technically an ejection is like being suspended. Is like McBean. being suspended. But it's not because you weren't suspended, you were ejected. For a reason. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the NFL said that. Yes, I don't agree with that. But so, the old rules, uh, head of the rules, head of officiating, Dean Blandino, who works for Fox now, came out and said that.
0: Interesting. They got him to talk. Yeah,
1: he's like, I, I I've been in the room many uh, in many situations, and the NFL strongly doesn't. Well, tries to avoid suspending guys who who have been ejected from games. Dumb. Dumb. All right. Dumb.
0: Uh, now we got let's uh, let's
1: let's do the fines first. Do the fines first. Okay.
0: So we got uh, fines from week nine. Uh, AJ Green, thirty uh, k
1: plus a twelve k. So yeah, like two double fined. Double fine. So he got he got fined for the actual penalty and he got fined for the fight. Is what is what happened. So AJ yeah, Green last got week ejected. was the week of the fights. Yeah. yeah. So AJ Green got 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 ejected um, for the chokehold fight. Oh sleeper hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah I AJ like that one. You see, the Steelers actually mimicked that. Oh, in week, a in a celebration in, in a touchdown celebration. That's awesome, yes. yeah. <laughs> so he got fined 12k for the actual unnecessary roughness penalty, and then he got 30k for the fight that ensued of it. Um, Mike Evans got fined 40k for his fight. Um, Jameis Winston got fined 12 grand for taunting, which was basically like he, he instigated the fight. And Arizona, the three Arizona guys, and the one San Francisco guy. That got ejected. All got fined nine thousand dollars for their unnecessary roughness penalties. So we talked about this th- last week, and I get it's collectively bargained, and I get it's not going to change. But like, basically, when this stuff happens and they get ejected or they get penalized, in order to get fined, they have to fit the fine into the penalty that caused the situation.
0: That was collectively bargained.
1: Yes. Which uh, which I put we put the link up last week of the yeah. uh, kind of the chart yeah the chart of the fine penalty the fines for penalties but like Jameis Winston he instigated a fight that led to ejections like he should get fined more than twelve thousand dollars but he can't because technically the penalty was taunting and the taunting fine is only x amount of dollars like I, I don't I don't agree with the fine structure that they've come up with I really don't like I just there the level of Egregiousness to the penalties varies a lot yeah, more consistent. than the fines they're able to admonish them with. Admonish? Yeah. Admonish. I don't know if I know that one. Look it up.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that'll be in the show notes. But
1: they can't. I just. But it's but it's like it's out of the NFL's hands at this point. I just don't really. I don't know. I don't really agree with it. Okay. Uh
0: okay, then we're gonna finish off the episode with some feel good stories ish. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback from Minnesota, returned after a major ACL
1: uh, knee surgery. He almost lost his leg last year. Yep. Um, Similar to the Zach Miller thing, except it wasn't on video, so we didn't we weren't able to see. it. Because that it was, practice, right? Yeah, non non contact practice injury. But they like said guys were throwing up on the sideline, like it was it was that bad. Um. So this was preseason last year. He just got activated this week. So it's a year and four months, 16 16 months pretty much uh, in between games. And he was active this week for the first time. He didn't play at all. Um, Their head coach has been hinting that he is going to be their starting quarterback at some point this year.
0: Was he wearing a knee brace?
1: I don't know because he didn't go in.
0: I saw some like warm ups and I don't remember seeing a knee brace on him. Yeah, I, I'll put that in the show notes because I think I sent that was one of the things I sent to you.
1: There, it would be interesting to see if he does or not, but he's I, like a mobile guy. Yes, yeah. But it, it was it's interesting because the head coach made it pretty clear that it's usually when that the head coach head coaches love to say the backups our quarterback. He's our quarterback
0: and to like light the fire. Rally around, around, rally yeah.
1: around X guy. He's our quarterback. And for the last two weeks, every time he's he's been asked, he's he said it's a week to week thing and. We'll see next week. We'll see next week, and he's basically said like Teddy's gonna play. Um, so I don't know what's gonna determine that because um, obviously it's not preseason, so you can't work him back in. You can't you're gonna play him. You gotta throw him into the fire. But from the sounds of it, he's gonna play pretty soon, and they think he's gonna be their starting quarterback going forward. And they're they're a seven and two football team, so they're gonna unless they implode here, they're gonna be in the playoffs. They're gonna they're gonna play in January. So but their backup, Case Keenum, who was Played a lot for the Rams last year, has is six and two this year, in in eight games. So it's not like they are really struggling at the quarterback position. He's playing really well since Sam Bradford got hurt. So, but it's really good to see Teddy Bridgewater. He seems to be one of the more um, liked guys in the league from from everything, even before the injury. He just seemed like a really good dude who everybody seemed to admire and like. Um, kind of like a smaller guy doubted. Um, had a lot of question marks coming in, into the draft about his size and how he could make it in the NFL, and he played really well these first couple of years.
0: Could I work with at Rutgers football? He's now one of the equipment guys that with the Vikings, and I think he like used to go to like the movies with Teddy Bridgewater and stuff. Like, yeah, he's just like a regular normal dude. dude. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's and Terrell Barnes shout out. So he was so Teddy Bridgewater. He was actually crying right before the game this week. It was all, like all over Twitter he was just so, it'll be all over the heads and tails blog posts. So he was he was just so overcome that he was in uniform, back on a field, yeah, active man. in an NFL game.
0: Probably when his leg was sticking out to the side, he probably didn't think that was ever yeah. going to happen.
1: So that is that is a good story. Um, the second, it's like you said, it's not this isn't a it's an, it's, it, it, it's it's a sad story, but it's it, uh,
0: but it shows the value that sports and football bring to individuals and communities
1: yes. and. The country at times. So uh, Marquise Goodwin is a wide receiver for the Forty Niners. Um, he was an Olympian in two thousand and what's what's this year? Twenty seventeen. Yeah, not the last Summer Olympics, but the Summer Olympics before that. I think it was like two thousand twelve Summer Olympics. Does that sound right?
0: Yeah, because two thousand
1: eight there was an Olympics. I remember that because yeah. we were in college. Yeah, I think I think it was regardless. He was he was two two Summer Olympics ago. He was uh, on the U.S. men's olympic team as a do the triple jump or the hurdles long jump i think it might have been long jump i think it was long jump um but he went to texas played played football at texas and and was on the track team so uh after the olympics he caught on with the bills for a little bit um and he's on the 49ers now um and he scored an 83 yard touchdown this week like he's He's had a case of a drop sometime this year. He's like their third or fourth wide receiver. He's kind of like a back-end roster guy. But he caught an 83-yard touchdown pass this week. And he scored, got in the end zone, and was like totally overcome with emotion. And on the broadcast, they were like, oh, hey, know, he's been working really hard. And he's been struggling to catch the ball. And you can tell. And he's over on the sideline, like crying. And you're like, what's going on with this guy? So, and then after the game, it came out that – his wife he he and his wife lost uh, a child in between saturday and sunday so like late saturday night early sunday morning in the middle of the night they they had they were expecting a a baby boy and the he was born prematurely Premature, and he didn't didn't make it through the night and so Marcus goodwin went to the game played in the game like didn't meet with reporters after the game got dressed immediately left um, but it came out through I guess the reporters found out that um, he they lost 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 a son and that's why he was obviously so emotional at during the game and, and especially after he scored his touchdown. And then uh, a couple hours after the game, he posted it on Instagram. They're like thankful for all the support of all the fans and everything and like this is the situation that happened right and so it, it's not, it's not a feel good story for him. About what happened, but it just it kind of.
0: But it, it brings light to why we have these conversations every week and yeah. why we're trying to save sports yeah. like football. Because you know, he, you know, he's not the only guy who has ch- children who are premature and, and don't survive either. And I'm sure people can really relate to his story and. When he scored a touchdown, it's almost like maybe they
1: scored a touchdown, too. Yeah.
0: You know, it's like... Yeah.
1: And you can feel, and you can, you can. it's not a feel-good story, but you can feel good for him. Like, you can feel really good for him about what the sport and what the game was able to do for him, and I'm sure do for his whole family. Yeah, the
0: opportunities that it creates, and that's why we're trying to keep the sport around. Like, we're trying to start the conversations that people don't always talk about uh, to try to keep these players safe and keep them in the game, so...
1: Not all bad. There is a lot of good stuff that comes in football. For sure. So we'll try to get some more feel-good stories. So my best memories weeks. come from
0: playing football. I, I would never tell someone not not, not to play. So Exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Josh, good good job. Congrats on your, your first day at work. I hope you feel better. Thank you, thank you. Um, at your new job. And I hope you feel better next week so I don't have to edit out all the coughs again. No, I'll try my um, best. For a selfish reason, but also so, I know, my Joshy boy's feeling better, so...
1: Thanks, guys. Enjoy your week, everybody. Peace.